we've just given Richard like hours and hours of our time and he's like roping us in to next year's practice rounds already. This is ruthless. There's no escaping. I'm, it's easy to get the commitment now because it's so far in the future. You will. <laughs> no, I will. We'll soft commit to it now. <laughs> to What's Law Got to Do With It, a light-hearted look at life in law school. I'm Professor Richard Haig. And I'm three-out law student, Felicity Rodin. Felicity, is it the steel today or some other substance or? Same old steel. I'd say we're, we're feeling same old steel. And remember, we used to not tell people what time of year it was when we were on this, but now recently we've been hinting at where we are in the in the year. So it's, aren't you, aren't you a little bit happier that it's sunny and warmer? Snow's melting. Yeah, but that also means that exams are coming up. And today, this morning, we got an email about exam registration. And then we got an email about the bar exam. So sunny and warmer, but uh, oh. my doom is impending. <laughs> impending doom. Uh, exams, but, you know, they're old hat now. Your third year, last term. It's true. I the bar exam is not old, but. No. My understanding is that will be fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I have grading to do. That's my, that's, <laughs> you get emails about exams. I get emails about grading. They, they follow one on top of the other. Uh, all right. Well, we, enough banter. As always, we have to introduce our guest. We could both introduce our guest, right? She's special to both of us. <laughs> our regular guests are really just... So unspecial, and this is a particularly special guest. And well, why don't we just let her introduce herself? Megan, yes. take it away. Hi, I'm Megan. I'm a third year at Osgood Hall. Um, I did the Wilson Moot with Felicity this year, and uh, Professor Haig was one of our wonderful coaches. I had a great time doing it. So I guess I'm here today to talk about mooting, especially doing it your first time in your third year. Yeah, we will get into that. So that is why you're special because you both were just on my team recently and uh, we'll talk about how that went in a minute. But Megan, do you know the usual second question though that you're supposed to answer for this podcast? My friend Rachel warned me that you asked for the our favorite law-based movie, but I listened to a more recent podcast. I think it's any law-based media. Yeah, yeah. So what is it? Um... This might be controversial, but there was recently a Netflix movie called Love Guaranteed. And it was um, a man who sued a dating app because his love was supposed to be guaranteed. Um, and he went on 957 dates and he couldn't find somebody. So he <laughs> went to- It doesn't sound at all like he's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's great about the movie is a personal injury lawyer takes him on um, and they decide to go to court to fight this thing um, because he went on a thousand dates and his love was not guaranteed. It is nothing like how the law system works and that's why I love it. <laughs> I don't know why that would be controversial. That sounds awesome. That's I recommend it. What's the name of the pod? You said it's a podcast? What's it's a Netflix movie called Love Guaranteed. Um, oh, clearly see. they made it over a couple of days, but it's still incredible. I have, that's fantastic. I've not heard. Hopefully, I can get a clip of that to put in these, this podcast. Nine hundred and fifty-seven. I love the fact that it's you know it's not quite a round number. 
Uh, what did he just give up at 957? Is that? <laughs> I think the lawyer came in at 957 or around then, but then he had documentation of every single date he'd gone on and why it went wrong. There's Which a back, problem right there, I'd say. <laughs> that's the problem. And he went on breakfast, lunch, and dinner dates, okay. which again, he's probably the problem. Yeah. How long did that take to do that many dates? Does it, over the course of how long? Do you know? I don't remember exactly. I think it's like a, a year or so. It's too fast. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> so do you meet this character in the movie? And is he a real creep? Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um the personal injury lawyer um of course has like a meet cute with the guy that she later represents in the lawsuit and then i don't know if i should spoil the movie but it is yeah, a romantic yeah. comedy <laughs> oh no they're gonna end up married Damn it. <laughs> uh, well thanks for that that is a that's definitely something i i will watch and have never heard of so that's good that's good it's incredible. The opening line, um, sh I think she's standing in court and she says something like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, let justice be blind or remove the blindfold from justice and let it see. And both me and my boyfriend watching it were like, isn't justice supposed to be blind? Why are we removing the blindfold? <laughs> you know, it's a scam, right? What? Pumpkin spice latte. No pumpkin in it. Just pumpkin flavor. Why are you still talking to me? I don't know. We'll walk in the same direction. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like that there is the perfect transition, Richard, because we spent the last months trying to come up with the perfect opening line for our moves. And clearly that woman did not nail it. Yeah. Megan, <laughs> Megan nailed it. <laughs> yes, very good transition. So yeah, as, as you said before, we're, we're going to talk about moots today, both in general, um, you know, try and generalize your experience, but also obviously the specific experience that you just went through, the two of you. But remember, there are other listeners who are not going to be on a Wilson Moot team in 2021. So you kind of have to try to make, try to have some universal truths about it. Uh, and as I said, I said before we started recording, because you both just did this, I'm going to, I get to play just a single, single host today. I'm going to, I'm going to be treating you both as guests, as, <laughs> as, teammates on the Wilson team. No, seriously, Felicity, of course, you're still co-hosting, but. No, I wanna, I wanna, I want the break. <laughs> this is vacation day. <laughs> so uh, Megan, you said that you're, it was third year for you to moot, but and Felicity has mooted two years in a row, right? So let me just, uh, again, I'll ask both of you, what, what was it that got you into moots in the first place? Um, I did my first mooting last year with the Hicks-Morley employment moot. And I only did it because my friend told me we had to sign up um, because we were doing the Heller and Uber case, which had recently come out and we we're both a bit obsessed with it. It had come up in job interviews with employment firms and we um, had also both contributed a little bit to Parkdale's um, intervener submissions. So we also had that perspective on it. Um, we entered and we won the Osgood-based tournament. And I realized that um, I could speak in front of people um, which is, I think, my main takeaway is even if you're shy, you should probably still moot because it does get easier over time. Um, and then I realized that I was in my third year and I was going to have my last opportunity to moot. So I really wanted to join a team like the Wilson one. And I clearly made the right choice. <laughs> so are you a shy person normally? Is that what you were hinting at there? Yes, I hate public speaking. Felicity knows this because I said it after the tournament. But the night before the Wilson moot, I think I fell asleep around 2.30 a.m. I was pacing around my apartment. I couldn't eat the morning of. 
my boyfriend thought something was wrong with me. <laughs> oh, okay. So that, so yeah, it affected you. Would, do you think it, it would, would it be the same if you were now about to do it again? Or did that experience tell you you don't need to worry too much? Um, I think if you're a shy person who's a nervous public speaker, I don't think it gets easier, but I think you get better at hiding it over time. And I think that through all of the practice moves that we did, I got better at portraying like a confident persona, even when I was slightly internally dying every time a judge asked me a question. Yeah, we and we did a lot of practice moves so to help iron those things out. Uh, Felicity, you, I know you've, you've mentioned on the podcast before a little bit about your mooting, but how, yeah, it, yes. it, it always attracted you, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm basically the exact opposite of Megan in that, uh, well, well, first of all, with Megan, you could definitely not tell that she hates public speaking, but I, I don't hate public speaking. I uh, always wanted to be a litigator and did like in, in one L at Osgood, there's some, some smaller moots where you only have about five minutes. Um, so I did a couple of those and really liked them and then tried out last year in second year. And I'm pretty sure the only reason they took me as a second year, because I, I wasn't that good. I think they took me because I said I would moot in French. <laughs> and one of the moots that Oscar participates in, you have to have at least one French mooter. And so I think they were literally like, well, we can improve her mooting, but we can't teach someone to speak French. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, it's yeah. Cool. yeah. It does. It, but so, yeah. It, and then I did it again this year. And I have to say, it does certainly get easier, but it was also like miles and miles easier doing it in English. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine you'd be mooting in, in, in a second language, I guess, would be the way to put it. It's hard. So was it an enjoyable experience overall? Let's just talk about Wilson in particular. Again, I mean, your experience in Wilson, but you both enjoyed it, it sounds like. Yeah. It was great. I think I didn't quite know what appellate level advocacy was and how it differed from trial advocacy until I did the moot. So having taken trial advocacy last semester, it was an entirely different experience. Like, I think you have to think about very different considerations, how the principles that you're dealing with can be broadly applied, not just in this case, but in others. Um, and I don't think I've, I'd also had the opportunity to work on a factum in that much detail. So I think people might think of mooting as the oral submissions, which I think is definitely the funner part. The factum writing was also a learning experience of its own. Sorry, I would agree. I'd say I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, for, for those of you listening who hate the idea of appellate advocacy and like trial ad, there are moots out there that are not appellate moots. So that does exist. Um, I, I agree that I enjoyed it and that it, you learn a lot. Um, I think I enjoyed it a little more last year just by the virtue of doing it in person. I think that's just, just huge. But I was surprised that I still felt like I learned a huge amount, even though I was like, I've already done this before. Yeah, we should probably say, uh, most people might realize this anyway, but moots, most, I think all moots this year, probably, if, if not the vast majority of them are done over Zoom. And it really is a bit different. It's been like the entire year is over Zoom. It's a bit different. But yeah, mooting in particular, not quite the same experience. Um, one of the things I was going to say, all, all moots are team-based. And so one of the things you get to do is work in teams, which again, is rare in law school. And I think I, I certainly felt that your, this team, again, despite the fact that you never really were in the same room together at the same time, were gelled really well. And that's part of what happens during a move, right? You, you work together and you each help each other out. Yeah, I, so I, I guess for, for a little bit of context, we were on the same team, but Megan and I were actually on opposing sides of the argument. So the team is five students. It's one researcher, 
and then two appellants and two respondents. So Megan and Adam were the appellants and Sarah and I were the respondents. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's like a huge team effort and it's, it's so kind of strange to like, you're crafting this argument and you're so invested in like making it perfect, but you're also invested in like making the argument on the other side perfect as to the extent that it can be, because usually it's like, there's pretty much a way to make the argument good on both sides. And so I think that's just like a super valuable thing to be able to like look objectively, look at the other side of an argument and, and figure out exactly the strongest and weakest points. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like very strange to be like rooting for the people who are against you. <laughs> You're rooting for your team, but they're arguing against what you argue. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that is. And of course, um, you well at least again i think this is probably pretty common if as long as both teams aren't mooting at the same time you can actually watch your teammates moot before or you know one of the one of the teams will go first and the other might be able to watch them and so that was also an interesting experience megan what did you uh, how how was the teamwork aspect for you because again i think there's very little opportunity in law school to work in teams so this is one of those experiences that's definitely true. And I think the reason why we did so well as a team is we were very collaborative in our approach. And I think all four of us, uh, I know like with myself, I was trying to identify like what are the holes in my argument that they can attack um, to try and make some space for that. And when Felicity and Sarah were going, I was like, what are things that they're doing great that I want to steal from them? Like, is there a turn of phrase that I love? Or is there like a specific way that they respond to questions that I love? And because I hadn't done a ton of mooting, I think I benefited from seeing both Felicity, Sarah, and Adam moot and really taking like their strong appellate advocacy skills and co-opting some of those. And it worked out for you. Yeah. We should mention this. Of course we're going to mention that. That was the teaser we were holding back. But Megan was third place oralist in the Wilson moot this year, which was fantastic for her. Despite what you said earlier that you were <laughs> couldn't get to sleep, you couldn't eat. <laughs> she kicked our asses nonetheless yeah yeah so it's worth congratulating megan on this podcast for her third place or third place or less do you do we get do you get a banner at the law school for that do you know i think i get a trophy in the mail from the wilson organizers oh right yeah so i think the banners are only for the team awards unfortunately <laughs> which i guess that's another thing to point out is maybe that's one of the reasons it's so collaborative i think two-part like most things in law school you're literally graded against each other whereas in there's first of all you only get a pass fail for doing a moot um in law school so you don't really it doesn't matter for your grade um but for the um oh no you don't you get a grade anyway yeah I have, um i have to grade yeah <laughs> uh, no pressure richard um no but in order for your team to do well to win a team award both sides of your team have to do well like you can't just like put the other team out of your mind you, you have to work together in order to to do well so yeah, That's, I think unique. And I, um, so the Wilson moot is a moot based on constitutional law, particularly the charter and specifically, I think it's always section 15 plus one other section, but there are other, all kinds of other moots that some are, which are constitutional law, some are international law, right? Some are business law. It's a, I don't, do, we, do, do either of you know how many moots there are out there? I should have. I should have researched this before the podcast, but I don't know. There's definitely more than, than Osgood does, but I think Osgood does like at least 13. Um, and then there's usually like some other little ones that come up throughout the year that you can also jump on. 
There's one in uh, Vienna that I'm aware of. I think Osgood might have a team, the Vismut in Vienna. But again, this year it wouldn't you wouldn't be traveling to to Vienna. But uh, when I was in Australia teaching, the my law school there also participated in that Vienna moot and they won it one year. So it was that was a big deal for them. I don't know if Osgood's ever won that Vismut. There's also a moot for non-law students, right? Or a, like a pre-law school moot, which is to get people kind of in the mood, I guess, if they're going to law school uh, or to try try out their skills. Have you, yeah. I did that in undergrad. I did some pre-law mooting. I had no idea what was happening. I think before you understand legal principles and how the common law works, it's very difficult um, to understand how to brief a case and how to make analogies between cases. Um, but some undergrads are incredible at it. And we, watching them, you would think that they're law students. So you did move before law school then. <laughs> you, know, I didn't, you didn't count that though as a, as legitimate experience or, or but do, are they, is it law students that kind of look after that mood or, or coach and provide you with assistance? Um, I think there was law students who judged it. So I did the McGill one and I believe it was actual law students judging us. And I think that that goes for most of the most of the ones that, that run it. Like there's one at York and the Osgood students are like the ones who run it and, and judge it. Um, right. So we'll, uh, yeah, so you're in third year. This is this was your last chance to moot. I guess there's no moots after law school. I don't know. I've never seen a grad student get involved in a moot. Like if you're doing your LLM or something. I don't, I, I, I presume that it's open to them if they want, but nobody ever does. Will you pay it forward though by getting involved like in, I don't know, judging for practice rounds for the for one or other moots now that you're so well seasoned? We've just given Richard like hours and hours of our time and he's like roping us in to next year's practice rounds already. This is ruthless and there's no escaping. I'm, it's easy to get the commitment now because it's so far in the future. You will. <laughs> no, I'm, we'll, I'm, we'll soft commit to it now. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> and you just you soft committed Megan on on your behalf too, Felicity. Yeah, because I didn't hard commit her. Don't worry, <laughs> we're a team. It's fine. Thanks, Felicity. <laughs> but you also learn a lot about a specific areas of law, right? In this case, Charter Section fifteen and Section eleven on bail. That was that's part of the the great aspect, I think, of the mood. Is it's it's almost like writing a research paper. Um, in the way that you learn compared to say cramming for exams, right? It, I don't think you're ever going to forget a lot of the stuff you've just learned about the charter, right? Am I right? For sure. I think it's, you learn about it in a different way when you have to apply it so intensively. And also, at least when I was preparing for the oral submissions, I had like a 25 page document of like every question I could be asked and what my response would be. And I think that involved delving so far into the section 15 cases that um, you would never get the opportunity to do in classes just because there's not enough time to cover it in that much detail. Yeah. And, in fact, and it's also, it's very narrow. Like you don't need to learn a whole subject matter necessarily. You need to learn about like in this case, section 15 and discrimination specifically re with respect to alcohol dependency. And so that was our issue. Um, so it's quite narrow. Like you don't have to learn all of a whole area of constitutional law. Right. But that replicates, you know, real life appellate work, right? So you are doing effectively what people who are appearing at courts of appeal or, or the Supreme Court of Canada, you're doing very similar things to that. 
In fact, you probably you probably spent more time preparing than the typical lawyer appearing at the Supreme Court of Canada would have time to prepare because they were juggling more than just one case, right? They're probably got five or six or 10 cases on the go. Whereas we put our whole lives on hold for three months and um, we really aren't very important. Our time is not that valuable. Um, but I guess, okay, look, I can't, I can't do it, Richard. I got to put my, my interviewer hat back on. Um, yes, I want to know, Megan, what the dark side of mooting, what was, what were your least favorite parts? Um, I think my least favorite part were just mostly like, it was a giant time commitment. And I think you have to be ready for that if you're going to moot. I knew that in advance. So I knew that, I mean, it's quarantine. It's not like I have much going on, but I made sure that school-wise I was okay. Um, I think, again, for me, like the public speaking is an issue. Um, so I was pretty nervous before every practice round. Um, but I, I think definitely, again, over time, you get that confidence and you build that that ability. How, how, how were you prepared for the time commitment that somebody just told you that you should expect to spend, you know, our 200 hours i have no idea how much time did you keep track of your time but we should have i didn't lawyer yeah because lawyers would right they would have to so. but no did you did, did were you warned by say felicity megan or somebody that somebody a senior who'd done it before that it was a big time sink yeah i have i have a friend who did the ip ip moot last year and she warned me that it was a huge time commitment but i also just remember never seeing her last january and february so i saw for myself what a time commitment it was yeah i think that kind of like loops into to my least favorite part of mooting especially this year i think this might be part of why i had so much more fun with it last year was that it's like so much time to prepare and then this year we only had one round so it's for like so much time to prepare for 20 minutes in my bedroom on on zoom like it just feels like a lot of lead up to like 20 minutes. Um, and then I think like what that ties to is that like you can have six perfect practice rounds and then just like stumble on something um, in, in the presentation. And then, and that like really affects your performance. Um, so I guess like that, the thing that I find the most frustrating is that it's not, it's not really about like how well you understand the law necessarily. Like obviously you need to, everyone needs to understand the law a little bit, but like, it's not like the person who develops the best legal argument is going to win. Um, it's a lot more performative, um, which I do think like there's a lot of value in learning how to do that. And I think that comes into advocacy down the road. It's just not a whole picture. So that can be a little frustrating. Right. And the one, the one thing that, again, law students would know this probably, but for prospective law students, the, the real, the huge difference between mooting and say debating is the fact that mooting can be much more of a, two-way dialogue right judges can be can be grilling you sometimes and and you you don't get that in debating you may you may get five words out before a judge interrupts you and then it becomes much more of a dialogue or uh, back and forth <laughs> which again I, I guess we had we ran the gamut right in our practice some practice rounds where the judges did not intervene that much sometimes they were all over you and then in the competition you you never know. It's, it's there's just a variation of of intervention or non-intervention in, in judges. But that makes yeah, and it, it feels a little more like a game. Like you're like, if I say this, the judge is going to jump in, and they're not. Whereas in real life, I think you would just be like, I want to explain this as best I can, and like make the judge understand my point. 
Whereas like sometimes it was like, if I just don't use this word, I'm less likely to get jumped on by a judge and to like skid past this like crappy part of my argument, <laughs> which I don't think you'd ever do in court. <laughs> oh, but you're right. One word can just tick, you know, just intrigue or trigger a, something in a, in a judge that you never, you never know. So would you think, would you recommend mooting even to somebody that, well, two things. One is that they're nervous, <laughs> let's say shy, nervous but also somebody who has really not much interest if, or zero interest in litigation, in, in, in being uh, you know, a, bar a kind of classic barrister. You still recommend it? I think it's still worth it to anyone who's interested in developing, I think like core legal skills and research even, um, because you're just delving so deeply into a topic. Um, and I don't think you have to be particularly interested in litigation to still benefit from the analytical skills. Because I think um, like our team of five definitely spent a lot of time analyzing the specific legal issues. What are the questions we're likely to be asked? What are the holes in each side of the case? How do we address them? What are we willing to concede? And I think those skills apply well beyond oral advocacy into also people who engage in written submissions um, or any areas of law. So Zuzay, I totally agree. And I think like, also, there's some benefit in know, learning about areas of the law that you're not going to practice in. Like, I don't want to be a transactional lawyer, but I'm glad that I've taken some more like core business classes so that I, I know when to recognize issues and, and when to know that I'm over in over my head. <laughs> I think that's like, it's almost valuable just to ha like have some experience in law school when the stakes are lower with stuff you don't actually intend to do with your life. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, I, I entirely agree with that. I think it's, it's, and it works, you're right, it works for both. So when you do a moot, you are getting so deep into something and that's a really useful skill in legal work, you know, litigation, barrister type work. But also if you do the same thing is true if you're a transactional lawyer, getting deeply into some contractual provisions, you know, and, and really understanding exactly what all, 300 sections of a contract means is a very important thing to do. And it's, I think that, I think they are connected that way. Realizing that what you learn in first year is very superficial. And, and then you learn how to take that and, and delve deeper in, in upper years. What are you gonna do, Megan, for your career? Do you know yet? I have no idea. I'm clerking at the Toronto Superior Court next year. And then I think I wanna do some sort of um, employment law litigation based practice. Uh, representing workers um, in likely like wrongful dismissal claims, human rights claims. Other than that, I have no idea. I still struggle with it. So if you're listening and you're in first year, that doesn't go away in 3L. No, well, we, 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 anybody that's listened to Felicity for the last eight months will know <laughs> that that's, and it's, it's completely okay. It's, it's fine. Uh, you, as long as you say so, Richard. <laughs> oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> I, yes, I am. I'm wearing my wise sage hat again today. Felicity, over to you. <laughs> I feel like this is so ruthless. You tell me I'm, I'm going to be the guest. And then it's just until the, the hardest part. And then you throw it back at me. You're, and, well, because I can't. You're never a guest, really. That was just for show for, for 20, show. 21 minutes. And now you're back co-hosting. <laughs> it's true. I got I to gotta put my co-host hat back on and take my hat off. 
the only thing that went dark this time was you asking Megan what was the worst part of mooting, but the rest has been pretty good, lighthearted anyway. So I think we're, we can basically just end however we wish. I, maybe I'll end by congratulating the two of you on a, you on a it was a really great uh, experience for me as coach. Uh, we, when did we get together? Was it October? It's been, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's almost like a, not quite a full year course, but it's a, it's, it seems to be a long time. And we, I think, uh, probably we, we came together as a group and I, I, you know, I just, I got to see the five of you develop over the course of four months in, and that, that's great from my perspective. I love to see that. Even those with like, like, uh, Felicity and Sarah who'd have previous experience, you still, I think you, you've got so much better over time. That's always great for a teacher or a professor to see. Again, I'm just congratulate both of you. That's my last word. I don't know, Felicity, if you have anything else to ask Megan or say, comment. I feel like it's, it's weird for me to <laughs> add in anything there. But I would say that, I well, I, I take your congratulations humbly, uh, but I would also like to redouble them for Megan because she really did crush it. And they had a tough bench. Uh, it was like an awkwardly quiet bench in the competition. And she despite hating public speaking, really crushed it. So. Yeah, that, that never came across that you'd hated public speaking. You know what, that's the first time I realized that was today when you mentioned it. That's good to hear. I did, I've done like six years of debating in undergrad and high school. So I guess it pays off slightly in the like appearance of confidence that I can muster over Zoom. <laughs> you know what, I, this here, this is going to be me uh, exposing myself. I, I'm a bit like you, even though I've taught for years, it's still, you know, it's not my preferred thing to stand up in front of people and talk. Uh, so, but I, I'm, you know, I'm, I get, I, I'm over it now, but it's still, I would rather not feel the way I do walking into a classroom. It's a funny thing, right? It'll always be with me, just part of who you are, I guess. For sure. And I think, like, especially with Moot, but with every area of law, it's like 99% preparation, getting ready for every possible question that can be asked, preparing for the settlement conference that gets canceled last minute, or preparing for the litigation that never goes forward. Yeah. It's a good lesson. Yeah. And that, that's true for me as a prof. If you prepare, you can be nervous, but you, you know, you know, nothing's going to phase me, right? So that, and that's, that's part of it. That's part of litigation, I think, too. Be confident. Didn't you, almost every practice round, they kept saying, be confident. <laughs> and I, which is why, it, uh, here's how I'm going to end it, which is a bit, I'm turning it away from Megan back to Felicity, my co-host. Remember when Rachel was on, Rachel said, I met Felicity in the hallway in first year and I'd never met a more confident woman. <laughs> Sydney. Sydney yeah. Oh, was it Sydney? Oh, that, okay. Sure, maybe that's why. But I'm, I'm just good at faking it. So that's why I, I like it. <laughs> uh anyway whatever i you know that's that's who you are and we're we're who we are <laughs> big faker yeah. that's it we gotta wrap this up <laughs> all right you've been faking this co-hosting role for six months now right is that <laughs> that's the big secret that's all law school and honestly a legal job is you just always feel like a fish out of water and you just gotta pretend and this is <laughs> come along with us dear listeners <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you